Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Podcast live from Bloomington, Indiana. I'm here live in person Friday night with Reed Murray. And we're going to have plenty of guests joining us throughout the night as they please. People come and go here on Twitter. Uh, we're live with everybody here. So thank you to everyone who joins us throughout the night. But for now, it's just me and Reed. Joining me right here, about a foot away from me, is Reed Murray. What's going on, Reed? Pat, I can't even put into words how happy I am to be here. I'm in Bloomington, Indiana, um, in your apartment here at Indiana University. Just so excited to do another. I mean, we've done, what, we've done like two live episodes. We did the one video one uh, in That's our true. first season. That one was interesting. And then we had, uh, <laughs> before the Big Ten Championship, we did a little live one. Um, but other than that, this is, this is a, a rare live episode rare the, the two of us are in the flesh together putting out content for you guys so just so excited to be here definitely different i'm, I'm expecting a hearing reed's voice coming you know right next to me instead of uh reed's voice you know being uh <laughs> like in my computer it's different but yeah reed's right here we're recording a little college football talk uh and there's some games tonight we've got games tonight i think louisville's playing ucf right now but maryland illinois coming later tonight uh, a little Big Ten football. Uh, Illinois got that big Week Zero win against Nebraska, a game that I think they, the the post game win expectancy on that was was very low. I think they they finished with like a thirty three percent chance of winning. Looking at the statistics, given the statistics, it was low, so they didn't play particularly well in the grand scheme of things. And then, you know, two straight losses, UTSA and Virginia, uh, for the Illini. So they've not been good. But Maryland's looked great in two games. Granted, uh, a win over West Virginia at home and. A dominant 62 to nothing win over Howard. There'll be a playing tonight in Urbana-Champaign. Uh, you got to think for Maryland, a team who I think is a top 25 side right now, you've got to think that this is a game that they, number one, have to win because I think it would frankly be an embarrassing loss to a, a not very good Illinois team, an Illinois team I was too high on. But a game that they should win probably handily, you know, just to show that they can take care uh, of the teams that they should, you know, take care of. Yeah, if Maryland can start the season with a solid Power 5 out-of-conference win and then a conference win, start 3-0 and with both of those types of wins, that's huge. You don't see that every year with Maryland football. It's rare you see an undefeated Maryland team after week one. So, I mean, actually, they, they I mean, they did beat Texas twice. So Twice. Uh, yeah, people forget. Early season Maryland. <laughs> early season Maryland September, is a real I thing. Think, I think we forgot last year, since there were no games in September, that September Maryland is – absolutely a real thing in september maryland is is terrifying but i mean last year even when there was no september football they still beat penn state they had a solid start to the season they did well they had a weird start to the season. They, they missed a couple games early if i'm not mistaken but um yeah maryland last year uh no september games so they didn't quite get to to exercise their traditional september voodoo magic uh but they still had a pretty decent season all things considered i think this is a much better team it, it seems like they've uh They've gotten experience under their belts. Getting a real offseason, I think, made a difference for them. I like this Maryland team a lot, and, and I think we're going to see some interesting stuff from them tonight here against Illinois, a team they should, they should frankly, just take care of business against. Uh, and I know I've said that phrase a bunch, but good teams and, and real teams, legitimate teams, teams who you don't want to mess with later in the season, they win games like this, and they win them without worrying about it. Yeah, it's a road game, uh, but it's not a game they should have to worry about. Looking at Maryland, uh, they should take care of Illinois pretty easily. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, when you look at the way that um, look at the Virginia just absolutely their, their offense just went. I mean, I, I can't remember the exact uh, stat for the quarterback, but I mean he had 
hundreds upon hundreds of yards, uh, just absolutely had a field day against Illinois. I can't. I don't see any reason why Maryland doesn't really double what Virginia did to them. No. Uh, yeah, that's the other side of this that I'm looking at. It's not just that Maryland's played well to start the season. It's Illinois played poorly. Um, and like I said, they, they won that game against Nebraska, but they didn't play well uh, in the slightest in that game. It was it was not a, a good effort. I mean, it was a good effort. They, they won the game. I'm not, not trying to knock that. That's, that's what matters at the end of the day. But they didn't play particularly well, and that was with a backup quarterback. I believe we're going to see Brandon Peters out there tonight, so they're going to have their starter. They're not going to be seeing Art Sikowski, but they, they did lose to UTSA at home. But that should say enough about this team. They lost to a uh, – I don't even know what conference they're in off the top of my head. Conference USA, I think. They're, they're Conference USA. Okay, there you go. They lost to a Conference USA team at home. Uh, and then they got crushed by who I think is a pretty middle-of-the-road best ACC team. Um, they weren't even competitive in that game. That game was over – about five minutes into it. And that was like an 11 a.m. kickoff Eastern time. Uh, like before the noon games even started, you could say the Illinois game was toast. I was higher in Illinois than most people coming into the season, and I was wrong, uh, at least to this point. I thought I was right after week zero. Uh, I think the answer was no. Uh, yeah, again, that just goes to show that I think it, I think that game told us more about Nebraska than it did about certainly. fighting line. Yeah, it, I, I think definitely more telling of Nebraska and, and their issues. And their issues are are large, uh, just to put it lightly. And let's talk about Nebraska. Let's talk about this game we're seeing tomorrow from them. Nebraska taking on Oklahoma on the road, a renewal of this rivalry, first time in a decade. Uh, these two former Big 12, Big 8 conference mates, uh, both of them uh, not going to be in that conference anymore pretty soon. Oklahoma is SEC-bound. Oklahoma, a top-five team in the country, uh, boasting that excellent offense led by Heisman candidate Spencer Rattler. Uh, while Oklahoma has struggled a little bit this season against Tulane, uh, this is still a team you figure shouldn't just beat Nebraska, but should beat Nebraska by a lot. Yeah, I agree. My score prediction here, I got 52-3 to Oklahoma. I just have no reason to believe that Nebraska is going to put up a fight here. Again, yeah, those, those games against Fordham and Buffalo, that, that really can't be indicative of the kind of team Nebraska is because those are pretty weak opponents. Um, right. And Oklahoma is far from weak. Pretty... I, I, I would say you could put them in your playoff right now. They had a rough, but I, I actually like Tulane. I actually would argue that their Tulane game isn't even that bad. Because no, no, it's not. It's not horrible. But of course, you would expect them to do better. But and they're Oklahoma. It was a disappointing performance. But yeah, that's the thing. Is they're Oklahoma. This season, if it were like, I don't know, pick your favorite middle of the road Big Twelve team, um, Oklahoma State or I, I don't know Baylor or somebody, and they they almost got beat, or say they did end up losing that game to Tulane. I think that's a little more forgivable. This, I mean, this is Oklahoma. This is a team that people are saying, a lot of people before the season were saying this is a national championship team. I don't, I have not quite gone that far with them. I have not said that they're going to be a national championship team, but a lot of people have. Um, and uh, a national championship level team, in my mind, doesn't struggle to put away uh, a team who might win eight games in the American. I mean, yeah. Um. And I'm, in, in, when you look at this game with Nebraska and Oklahoma, this is an Oklahoma team, like you said, playoff contender, national championship contender. And not only that, it's a game that means a lot to them because this is a renewed rivalry. This game, both sides, and I, I think Nebraska's going to come to this game excited and they're going to be amped up, but there's only so much that that can do. Um, this is a game where both teams are going to bring their A game, and Oklahoma's A game, I just think, is world stronger than that of Nebraska. And ignoring the X's and O's and the players on the field, it's cool to see this game come back. Um, I think renewing old rivalries is wonderful, and I, I wish it was something that, that we frankly saw more of uh, as the sport continues to change rapidly before our eyes. And 
know, God only knows how many of these rivalries we're going to lose with, with conference realignment these days. But it's cool to see these teams playing again because there is a lot of history to this matchup. And as, as horrible as Nebraska's been recently, they're still Nebraska. Uh, but let's be clear, this is still a historic program uh, that, that people really uh, – think fondly of and for good reason um and one of you know the biggest tenets of that history looking at this uh nebraska team is their matchups with oklahoma their historic conference games against oklahoma it's it's historic i guess that's the one way of putting it it's it's historic to see these two teams back together on the pitch once again (laughs) the field excuse me (laughs) we were talking we were talking soccer earlier uh to to our listeners We, we were talking some soccer earlier some I'm just saying back out on the pitch. Um, seeing these two on the field again, seeing the N and the OU on the helmets, it's going to be cool. Um, it, it really does feel like history, and I think seeing them lined up against each other at the start of the game is going to be very cool. Seeing them lined up any more than one second into the game is going to be brutal. Oklahoma's going to win this game by a lot. And I don't just mean a lot. I mean, like, six-plus touchdowns. Uh my my final is going to be forty nine to seven Oklahoma. Uh, I'm going to say they win by forty two. I just I just don't see Nebraska hanging with them. This Nebraska team, yeah, they're two and one. Con- congrats, you beat Fordham and you beat Buffalo, a Buffalo team that's been depleted by transfers uh, after Lance Leipold took the Kansas job. Congrats, you know you want to you want a medal. The, yeah, the, the thing with Nebraska, they made Art Satowski look like a much stronger quarterback than he is. If you think that they are going to hold their own against Spencer Rattler, I would strongly disagree with you. No, yeah, they made they made Art Sikowski look like a good quarterback. Just, just to be frank. And they uh <laughs> that that tells you all you need to know. I don't I don't trust this Nebraska team. I also That's don't like a, the fact that Nebraska only scored 28 against Buffalo. Yeah, that too. Yeah, and this this Buffalo team, let's let's be clear. I know some people look at this and say, oh, Buffalo was uh, the best team in the MAC last year until they lost to Ball State. That's true. But all of Buffalo's good players play for Kansas now. When Lance Leopold took the Kansas job, they all transferred with him. They're all at Kansas now. Um, And granted, MAC talent doesn't exactly translate in the Big 12, at least the Big 12 as we know it today. So Kansas isn't going to be particularly good. Uh, But Buffalo lost the stuff that made them a good team. Uh, And that sucks. Because uh, I thought Buffalo could be an interesting team this year. And before the season, before Lance Leopold ended up taking the Kansas job, I thought Buffalo was maybe going to beat Nebraska. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, there's there's nothing more to say about that. Yeah, that the Buffalo team was strong this year. And, of course, um, Jarrett Patterson, was that was that the guy's name? Was that the running back? I think I that's know, it was Jarrett something. I think it was That Patterson. sounds That yeah. sounds right. Um. A Jarrett Patterson Buffalo team, I think, absolutely beats this year's Nebraska team. Without him, I don't know. But, yeah, if Leopold's still there and they hire somebody else at Kansas, totally looking at a potentially one and two Nebraska team yeah, right now. Yeah, and we thought, a lot of us thought that Jeff Monken at Army was going to be the head coach at Kansas, and I thought that would have been a better fit for them than Leopold. I don't have anything against Leopold as a coach, but uh, I think we would have seen maybe a different result for Nebraska. Anyway, moving on from that... Uh, Looking at some of the games this week, I don't want to quite get into our game of the week yet. I think we have some more interesting discussion on that later. Uh, we have some conference games this week. Uh, we got one tonight. Well, we, well, we, we have actually gave her. Is that the only one? Um, I because yeah, I saw the only one. That's the only one. in my head, I saw Purdue and Notre Dame on the schedule, and I was about to call that a conference game. <laughs> Notre Dame's not in the Big Ten. They're in the Midwest. They're in Indiana. They're not in the conference. They're not in the conference. It's um, an interstate match. Or, 
It's a, this is a rivalry game. This is a trophy game. Purdue and Notre Dame, they're back. They're playing together for the first time since 2014 uh, was the last time they played. My cousin was starting a quarterback for Purdue that game. I was in the stadium. I was cheering for the Boilermakers. Uh, if you can believe it, I know some of our longtime Disgusting. listeners might not know that. Despicable, well, despicable behavior. Blood over everything. Blood over everything. That's all I can say. Um, I was in the stadium last time these two teams played for the Golden Shillelagh. Uh, shillelagh. That's what they play for. The that's what they play for. What even is a shillelagh? Some Irish thing. I don't know. I should know this, given given my ancestry. I'm going to Google this right now. Uh, and the other, the, I believe Notre Dame's trophy with USC is also called the shillelagh. Just Google Notre heard. Dame Purdue trophy. <laughs> yeah, he, he, I he looked it. it up and it came up with Golden State Warriors. No, it came up with, with Golden Schedule because I have no idea how to type shillelagh. Um, let's see. Purdue, Notre Dame trophy. What have we here? Um, it's the Golden Shillelagh, I believe. Yeah, yeah. But what is that? Or is it, it's the Shillelagh. The Golden Shillelagh, I believe, is the one they play for with USC, which is... Um, yeah, yeah. The, it's not the gold, but yeah, it's the... Shil- yeah, shil- the Shillelagh. Shillelagh trophy. Yeah, the Shillelagh yeah. trophy. The Golden Shillelagh is the one with, with USC. Yeah, it looks like a Shillelagh is, is some sort of cane, kind of, or like some sort of club or... It's like an Irish stick. Yeah, it's a walking stick. That's pretty cool. It's, a, it's sort of like a club. Kind of looks like you could... It's a pretty blunt object. looks kind of dangerous. Um, but, it's a, yeah, it's an Irish walking stick. That's interesting. And this Hoosier State matchup in South Bend. They'll be playing for it. Uh, one bit of news uh, with this matchup is Purdue's iconic uh, world's largest drum, which is not the world's largest drum. I don't know why they're allowed to call it that. <laughs> I, I've looked this up in the Guinness Book of World Records. It's not the world's largest drum. That's a lie. But they call it that, and it says it on the drum, so it must be true, right? Wrong. Uh, but the drum is still big, and the drum is too big to fit Notre Dame Stadium's tunnel. Uh, Purdue is required. Notre Dame won't let Purdue use the home tunnel, which it would fit through. Notre Dame says you have to use the away tunnel. <laughs> and they're not bringing the drum for the first time since the 70s. That's um, such a shame. And I don't know what's changed because they've, they've brought the drum to Notre Dame Stadium before because they used to play every year. Up until 2014, they did. And they haven't played since then. But um, this is a shame, and I think that, that sucks for Purdue. And I hate seeing you know traditional college football things like that uh, you know, be taken away. With Notre Dame, though, here's a team who came into the season I thought was going to be really good. And, and I thought Jack Cohen was a pretty big downgrade at quarterback from Ian Book, but I still thought he was good. Good enough. I like their running backs, like Kyron Williams. I like the defense a lot. Kyle Hamilton might be the best defensive player in the country, except for maybe Kayvon Thibodeau. I think there's an argument to be made there. I certainly think Kyle Hamilton's the best defensive back in the country. Uh, I thought this Notre Dame you Dame team had a chance to be great, a chance to maybe contend for the playoff again, a chance to certainly uh, have, a, have a shot at going to New Year's Six. After what we've seen through two weeks, I think the answer is no. I am not in on this Notre Dame team anymore. Looking at you know, week one, they pretty much dominated Florida State for most of the game, and then Florida State, Mackenzie Milton comes in, they get back into it. Florida State makes it a game. Florida State forces overtime. Florida State loses, but Florida State also loses to Jacksonville State a couple weeks later in Tallahassee on the last play of the game, or a week later, excuse me. Um, so Florida State's obviously bad, and Notre Dame beat them by the skin of their teeth. And then last week, Toledo, who's a pretty good MAC team, albeit still a MAC team playing at Notre Dame, almost won and had the lead late in the fourth quarter, and it took half a miracle of a comeback from Jack Cohen and a you know, good play from Jack Cohen down the stretch albeit against Toledo, 
took a miracle against Toledo to win. I, I don't trust this Notre Dame team. Playing a, I think this is going to be the best team they've played to this point in the season. I think Florida State sucks. Uh, and Toledo's, again, a MAC team. Purdue's no stranger to losing to MAC teams, by the way. But Notre Dame didn't lose it. Um, they came close, though, and they probably should have lost it. I'm picking Purdue here. I, uh, I know it sounds crazy, but, I mean, maybe this is stupid. But I feel like when things like this happen in college football, there's a little bit of karma. Purdue not being able to bring their drum. Notre Dame saying, screw you guys. You're not allowed to bring your drum. Even though there are very clear ways that they could get the drum into the stadium just by using Notre Dame's tunnel. And, th- and they said no. I've got a feeling that's just going to bite them in the butt. Like, like I know it sounds stupid, but... No, I get what you're saying. It, it feels like there's some karmaic things at play in college football sometimes. And that would be one of them. I, I could see this down the line being referred to as the drum game. You know, by, by Purdue fans. Like, yeah, the game Notre Dame didn't let this beat bring the drum, and then we upset them in their place. The Elijah Moore uh, dog peeing game against Mississippi State. That yeah. was pretty – that was that was an example of karma on college football. It feels like things like this happen every yeah. year. Um, and it's not just that is why. It's also that Purdue in two games, one of them against UConn, the worst team in the country, and the other against, you know, I, I think a decent Oregon State team. Not Maybe not decent, but – an Oregon State team that m- might win six games. Maybe if they're lucky, win six games. Given how Washington's looked, I certainly think they aren't going to be the worst team in the Pac-12 North. <laughs> um, shocker of the century there with the Huskies. But, um, you got a lot of crow to eat for that one. Yeah, I do. I know. I was very high on Washington. I, I read the Phil Steele preview. You have a buffet of crow. If you can't tell, I, I read the Phil Steele preview, everyone. And, and he said, he, Phil Steele's never wrong. And, and he said... Washington's going to be the big surprise team in college football this year, and he was wrong. So uh, don't don't shoot the messenger. Anyway, uh, Purdue's played well. Uh, Purdue against Oregon State, I said this after the game, they looked surprisingly competent down the stretch. Purdue, when when push comes to shove and down the stretch of a game, and, and it's close, and the game could go either way, they lose it every time. This is in football, this is in basketball. It's called purdue it. Purdue fans will admit this, too. They blow it. They choke all the time, and they didn't choke. It's not that it's not that they didn't choke. It's not that they won the game because you know that that happens. But it's the fact that they look competent and they just said, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna handle our business right here, and we're gonna beat them. We're just gonna beat them." Like they they just drove down the field and scored and put the game out of reach. That doesn't seem like a, a very Purdue thing to do. This this Purdue team, I think there's something to them. I think they go into Notre Dame. And uh, Notre Dame seems uneasy. They've played two close games against two teams that they should really be beating by a lot more through two weeks. You know, uh, from the outside, I think an outsider's perspective, people are gonna are gonna think, you know, Purdue shouldn't be winning this game. You know, they think, oh, Notre Dame is much better than Purdue. And I think, in in terms of on the field talent, uh, Purdue is the better team, or no, Notre Dame is the better team. Excuse me. But, but I, I just don't know if Purdue's going to lose this game. I, I really like Purdue's chances here, and I'm going to take Purdue here in a close one. I think they go into Notre Dame Stadium, and they just get it done. Yeah, you look at what Toledo did last week. Their, their offense was somewhat electric. Purdue has a pretty electric passing offense. They do. No, they certainly do. Jack Plummer's been good through two weeks, and David Bell is, is in my opinion, a top-five receiver yeah, in college football. You don't want to be playing against David Bell and no. an okay quarterback. David Bell on a good quarterback. David Bell down the middle of the field on deep routes against Kyle Hamilton is going to be one of the best matchups in college football this season. It's going to be one of the best things you see all year. Those two guys are elite talents, and it's certainly going to be fun to see. Yeah, I 
I want to pick Purdue. I, I like what you're saying. I have to go with another close, just barely Notre Dame win. I just – we talk about Purdueing it. I just don't know if Purdue can – I feel like they've gone – two weeks is a little too long without a, a Purdue, a classic Purdue incident. <laughs> <laughs> so, Maybe the, do they play a MAC team anytime soon? Uh, Recheck gonna, the schedule. I'm gonna for check me. their schedule right now. Does Purdue play a MAC team in the next few weeks? I don't think they do, but I think their non-con—they're non-conference. If I remember, was kind of tough. Yeah, our yeah, their non-conference is no. They played UConn already. Yeah, they're yeah, out of non-conference yeah, games Oregon, after UConn this week. And, and Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, well, they do play Illinois the game after this, so I could totally see Purdue winning this game and then losing to Illinois. That would be a Purdue moment. That would absolutely. Be it, it's gonna be like a. Purdue. It's gonna be like a. 40 and rainy in West Lafayette for that game. Uh, or maybe it's in Champaign. I wasn't sure. Um, either way, the weather's the same in the two places. Um, game is in West Lafayette. It's in West Lafayette. Yeah, it's going to be 40 and rainy in West Lafayette, and Purdue is going to throw four interceptions, um, and they're going to lose by, by two touchdowns, and nobody's going to know what happened. Purdue's going to get some votes this week, I think, if they beat Notre Dame, um, and, and deservedly so, because I think this is a pretty solid football team. Uh, there are some legitimate questions, though. I mean, the, the the schedule they've played so far isn't great. I mean, Oregon State's kind of middle of the pack in the grand scheme of things, and for a Power 5 team, they're certainly on the lower end. And UConn is the worst team in the country. Let's be very clear about that. UConn sucks. Um, if Purdue wins this game, though, on the road at Notre Dame, I think there's no reason to believe that, uh, that they can't, at the very least, contend for second or third in the Big Ten West. Yeah, I, I just feel like... Notre Dame, they are the kings of winning games in close fashion when they should absolutely blow teams out. Pulling it out of nowhere. They did it twice this year. They do it all the time. They, I mean, what was it, two or three years ago, they nearly lost to Vanderbilt. Had had a couple uh, easy catches made by Vanderbilt to lose. It happens almost, against Pitt every season. Yep, against Pitt. They almost lost two years ago, too. They, they almost lose to Pitt every year, it feels yeah. like. And then um, was last year, the year, I think the year, Syracuse they struggled with last year. Yeah, and then their first year going to the playoff, they late in the season, they end up going undefeated, but they just barely beat USC in a game. I don't think they should have won. They tend to do this a lot, and they've done it twice this year, so maybe they've gotten all their Notre Dame games out of them, but I just feel or, like this is another one where they look rough, they get the win. I mean, I, Notre Dame could be a 12-0 playoff team this year, which is just absurd, because if, <laughs> if they go to the playoff, they're going to get destroyed. I don't know if they're going to go 12-0. I mean, in my mind, the luck of the Irish runs out this week. It seems like they've gotten lucky Two weeks in a row, two games they probably should have lost. I think this if this team's 0-2 right now, I think there are legitimate questions about about Brian Kelly's future. And I think he's done a good job as the coach. But if they had lost those games like they probably should have, I think there would have been questions about him as a coach. Um, but they pulled him off, and credit to, credit to them for winning. I mean, that at the end of the day, what matters is getting the result. Let's, let's be very clear about that. But those wins feel illegitimate, and it feels like they're they're walking on thin ice right now, and, and that ice is about to break. Um, and this ju- this just feels like the week David Bell goes for 200 yards. Can I just correct myself that there's no way Notre Dame is going undefeated because they kind of have a little bit of a gauntlet here. They face Wisconsin next, then Cincinnati, who we'll talk about soon, then Virginia Tech. And then USC and North Carolina. That's actually a pretty tough schedule. I mean, I know USC is not going to be good because they just fired their coach. But it's still Notre Dame USC. They finished the it's season with Stanford game. too, and Stanford. Yeah. They just kind of blew the doors off USC. So yeah. We don't no. know what kind of team Stanford's going to be, but they could be solid. And they play your beloved Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets as well. Um, eh, beloved's a bit of a strong word. <laughs> I like them. Your I root for slightly admired Georgia Tech Yellow yeah. Jackets. <laughs> My brother's beloved Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Is he? Belo- does he beloved them? Oh yeah, he he likes them. All more right, well, that's good. State. He's more he's more of a <laughs> Tech fan than he is an Ohio State fan. He's full on. 
Well, GP. that's good. Good to yeah. hear. Go, go Jackets. Um, now, uh, no, people do, I think, year in and year out. We can talk a little Notre Dame. People most years tend to say, oh, Notre Dame plays an easy schedule. Notre Dame plays nobody. I don't think that's the case, especially this year. That That is a, a pretty big stretch of Purdue's not ranked. Especially Wisconsin, still, Notre Dame, and, and Virginia Tech all three in a row. Cincinnati, that is. Yeah, you said Notre Dame. Oh, um, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you're good. Yeah, Notre Dame playing themselves. Yeah. I think they played themselves the last two <laughs> weeks, almost losing, but that's neither here nor there. Purdue's a solid team. Uh, don't don't get that misconstrued. They're not ranked, but they're solid. Wisconsin's, you know, Wisconsin. I don't think they're going to be great this season, but they're still Wisconsin. Cincinnati, we'll get to. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I think they're pretty good. Uh, and Virginia Tech had a huge win against North Carolina earlier this season. And then Notre Dame gets USC, who's, you know, they're arch rival. And they get that North Carolina team that Virginia Tech beat. Uh, I think the good thing for them is they get most of these games either in South Bend or what they play Wisconsin and Chicago at Soldier Field, which might as well be South Bend. It's an hour away. Yeah. Um, I think even with a lot of the games being home, this I would not be happy as a Notre Dame fan. Um, and it's funny because you look at, at the schedule, because these games are always, they're obviously, they're, they're scheduled so far out. You look at the schedule, you know, three, four years ago, you think, oh, um, you know, Purdue, not a big deal. Uh, Wisconsin should be good. Cincinnati, not worried about them. Virginia Tech, you know, they're on and off, not worried about them. USC, that should be a tough game. But North Carolina, um, Virginia, who knows? They could be solid I mean, after <laughs> what they just did against Illinois. Illinois. You never know. But I mean, <laughs> That was also Illinois. Yeah. But, Let's I mean, clear. but it's, it's just interesting that Notre Dame totally did not see this year when they scheduled these games being as hard as it is. I mean, Cincinnati – Virginia Tech, UNC, Stanford potentially. These teams are all kind of Even popping Purdue. out of nowhere. Yeah, Purdue. Even Purdue. Toledo, too. I mean, Toledo's. Toledo looks look like a pretty good I, football it's team. It's starting to, you know, coming into this season in the MAC, I didn't know who, who I thought was going to be the champ. I, I was leaning between, I was between Ball and Kent State. I'm starting to think Toledo can win the MAC this year. They, they, they look like a legit team. Yeah, Ball State, um, and, and obviously there's a big difference between Ball State and Penn State. Uh, between Group of Five and Power Five, but yeah, Ball State a little bit disappointing last week. Yeah, they totally can still win the MAC. I mean, they're they're still a solid MAC team, but uh, Toledo definitely to be able to go on the road in a hostile environment against a team like Notre Dame, and of course, there's questions about how good uh, the Jimmys and Joes are. Um, in addition to the X's and O's, I guess. Um, I mean, there's of course there's questions about Notre Dame, but regardless, they still have top tier recruits. They have a solid, solid coach who's won Coach of the Year. Um, I know once, I think on multiple occasions. To be able to go and do that, that says a lot about the kind of team you are as a group of five. So Toledo totally could be taking the MAC championship home this year. Yeah, no, this Toledo team looks looks pretty good. But I mean, if it's one thing to be saying, "Wow, Toledo looks pretty good," but even a good Toledo team shouldn't do that to Notre Dame. That's true. They shouldn't be. I mean, that just shouldn't be happening. If you're Notre Dame, I think that's inexcusable. And if I mean, Notre, Notre Dame is lucky to have won that game. Yeah, they're lucky to have won both of their games, and we we made that clear. But looking at this game, though. I mean, if this, if this coaching staff is worth is worth their weight, they will make some serious adjustments this week, and, and they should, keyword is should, beat Purdue by, like, 10. I don't think that happens. I think Purdue wins, but we'll see. Um, it should be a good game in South Bend over on NBC. Let's talk about not the game. on Peacock. Not on Peacock this week. No, not on Thank Peacock goodness. this week. <laughs> That's talk, ridiculous. Talk, that was ridiculous. So how many, I guess a lot of Notre Dame fans are probably lucky they didn't watch it, but... Uh, Let's talk about the game we're going to be at. Indiana versus Cincinnati. The number eight Cincinnati Bearcats. Probably their biggest game 
the second biggest game of the season. They do have to play at Notre Dame, like we just said, this season. But a huge game for the Cincinnati Bearcats, trying to establish some national prominence, get their respect they keep talking about, you know, maybe even push for that G5 playoff spot, that coveted playoff spot the G5 hasn't been able to get. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be the, the year. G5 playoff spot doesn't really exist yet. It doesn't exist, but it could. They if it if it's going to exist, it's going to be the Cincinnati team and it starts with a win Saturday and I think if Cincinnati wants to even have a shot at the playoff, they got to dominate against Indiana and I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh but with that being said, this Cincinnati team is absolutely legit. They are a very 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 good football team and I don't think Indiana wins this game. I'm just going to bury the lead right here. I don't think they're going to win. Uh, I've looked at both sides here. I've previewed this game extensively. I did did a whole podcast about this game earlier this week. But just from what I've seen from Michael Penix this season, I don't trust him. And that that breaks my heart to say because I think he's an excellent quarterback deep down. Uh, And he has been in the past. This season, though, ever since the last injury against Maryland last season, the, the torn ACL, he's been a different player. Against Iowa, what we saw from him, it, it just didn't look like the same player. It, it was a different guy. Um, and that's that's rough. That sucks. But that's the truth. He he can't throw to the left side of the field. He hasn't thrown deep at all. Even in a win last week, a 42-point win, you know, he he had what? Like maybe 70 passing yards, I think, was the number. And and he didn't, they didn't ask him to do much. But that's the issue is against Idaho, you're not being asked to do much. And you're not being asked to, like, even try and get comfortable. That's been an issue. He hasn't been comfortable. He just doesn't. He doesn't look like the same guy out there. Um, and I coming into the season, thought if Indiana wanted to win this game, they had to win the quarterback battle. Because coming into the season, I thought Desmond Ritter and Michael Penix, those are two top five quarterbacks in the entire nation. Um, and I still think Michael Penix, if it was the 2020 version, is a top five quarterback in college football. But it's not. Um, it's the 2021 version of Michael Penix. And 2021 version of Michael Penix had a three interception game against Iowa. Granted, some of those interceptions weren't his fault. Uh, but he threw three interceptions against Iowa. And last week against Idaho, he had a nothing burger of a game. I, I can't. I think it's possible he figures it out at some point, And for his sake, I hope he does. But to this point in the season, I can't help. I can't, I can't expect that from him. I just can't. It's not fair to him for me to, to have those expectations so high. And it's, it's just not truthful. To be quite honest, it's not truthful to to say that they he's he's some anything other than than what he's been so far because what he's been so far has has not been great. Um, so, with that being said, I, I can't pick Indiana in this game and and I don't pick against them often. Um, I think in the history of the show, you can probably count on one hand the amount of times I've picked against the Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, you can go back and even look at the numbers on that. It's not many. I, you I did am, pick Indiana against Ohio State last year, which I did. was your bolder takes, but and it, there was reason behind that. And there was, I was, I really thought they were going to win that game. I really don't think they're going to win tomorrow. Um, I, I have started my expectations for this team have dropped significantly since the Iowa game, and I think there were signs of positivity against Iowa. The defense looks good, but the offense has so many issues, and it, it starts not with Michael Penix in my mind, but with Nick Sheridan and the play calling, and that's been horrible. Um, it just flat out has been horrible. Both games, even last season, horrible. Flat out terrible. No other no no other word for it. It's been bad. Um, and I don't see that improving this week. It certainly hasn't improved any other game he's coached. Um, and Michael Penix, he just hasn't been good. Um, 
when your offensive play caller and your quarterback have both been bad, it's tough for me to pick you in a game against a good team, and they're certainly playing a very good team this week. The home field advantage is going to be one thing. Indiana's going to have a great crowd. It's a sellout. I think it's going to be loud. It's going to be packed. That's going to be cool, but it's not enough. Um, if they win this game, I'm not saying I'll be shocked. I think they can win it. I think Michael Penix, deep down, has still got whatever he's had the last few years. It's in there. Maybe he figures it out this week. But this is a tough team to figure it out against because Cincinnati's got an excellent defense and an excellent secondary. I just don't think this is the week for him to figure it out. Maybe he figures it out later in the season. For his sake, I hope he does. I don't think this is the week. I'm going to take Cincinnati 27, Indiana 21. Yeah, last week, um, I might have said this on the podcast, and maybe I just said this to you on a phone call. So if you've already heard this in last week's episode, forgive me. But I was watching the Cincinnati versus Murray State game yeah. last week, and it was 7-7 in the third quarter. I said, oh, Indiana's beating Cincinnati. Cincinnati's not legit. Um, you got to do better against Murray State. But then you watch Indiana play against Idaho, and they just weren't dominant enough for you to believe that they're going to come in and beat the number eight team in the country. And I want to believe they can, but there's, there's one big reason. Beyond the X's and O's, beyond the Jimmy's and Joe's, beyond any logical um, reason why Cincinnati's going to win this game, here's one that's completely born from superstition and is probably illogical. These are usually the best kinds of predictions from Reed. Yeah. <laughs> and they're usually somewhat accurate. They are. No, they're usually feelings, pretty accurate. Feelings, feelings are facts sometimes in this sport, more than any other sport on the planet. Yeah, it's, it's a hard to predict sport. But anyway, um, so with me in my bag to, to Indiana, or actually, let me do a little backstory. So, um, <laughs> so week one, I, uh, it's, it's Saturday, Ohio State's already played on Thursday, so I have on my Indiana, my red Indiana shirt. Um, that Patrick bought for me. Thank you, Patrick. Of course. Um, I've got on my red Indiana shirt. Indiana just gets destroyed by Iowa. Not a good game for them. Not a good game on the offensive side of the ball. I think there was some there were some positive signs on the defense. I am not worried about this defense, by the way. Just just to be clear, this is not my issue with the team. So then, continue. Later on in that day, I switched to another shirt I got from Patrick. This one from Home Field Apparel. That was Script Vandy. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, at first I was like, oh, maybe, maybe the shirt's cursed, this Indiana shirt. I'm like, ah, this shirt curse can't be real. I'm going to wear this advantage. They're playing ETSU. They, they lose by three possessions to East Tennessee State. Then the following week, I wear my red number 17 Ohio State shirt. Oh, boy. This is from, I got this at the Lids Outlet uh, in Indianapolis. Rest in peace. Big, because uh, at that time, Chris Olave wore 17. I said, I got to have this. It was like 10 bucks too, maybe even five bucks. I don't know. Um, and then, you know, everybody knows we go and lose to Oregon. This week, I have my, I'm going to wear a red Indiana shirt, and I feel like I'm, like I'm going to curse Indiana. I Reed, feel like the shirt curse sure, is real. Are you sure you don't want to wear a different shirt? Well, here's the I thing. I think there, there are people out here in our audience who want you to wear a different shirt. Here's the thing. In my bag with me, I have my red Indiana shirt. I have a blue Nashville SC jersey. I have that number 17 uh, Chris Olave shirt but jersey. You could be risking an Ohio State loss to uh, who did they play this week again? Tulsa. Tulsa. Excuse me. Thank you. Um, Tulsa lost to an FCS team a couple weeks ago. Also, the shirt curse doesn't apply to Nashville SC uh, because they've been doing terrific while I uh, wear their jerseys. But regardless, maybe it's maybe it's a sh- maybe it's not a shirt curse. It's a, in, or maybe it's the shirt that's cursed, but a jersey isn't. Maybe I should wear your number one Indiana jersey. That's right. In my closet, there's an Indiana football jersey. Of course, you can't wear that because you're reporting in the game. I, yeah, I am an unbiased reporter. That might be you know the me. solution. 
because I'm because I don't want to wear I don't want to wear a golden Georgia Tech shirt to the game. Mm-hmm. I don't want to wear a National C jersey. Although I think that'd be cool to you know represent the team up in Indiana. We have Jack Mayer, who's a uh, former Indiana soccer player. He's one of our center backs. Um, I don't want to wear the Ohio State shirt to the game because everyone here hates Ohio State. Plus, it's you know it's everyone, not. Ohio. Can, let's be everyone here is jealous of Ohio State. But jealousy <laughs> and hate go hand in hand. Regardless, um, I think that. <laughs> Cincinnati, because of this illogical, superstitious reason, will win this game. But I also think that... Give me a minute. Reed, give, me, give me one second. Reed, keep talking. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, Cincinnati, they're, they're just too strong. Desmond Ritter um, is just a fantastic quarterback. He can do so many things both on the ground and in the air. I don't think he passes super well in this game because I like Indiana's secondary. I don't think he has to, though. Um, I don't think the Indiana D-line can contain him. So I think Ritter... He's not going to put up Heisman numbers or anything, but he'll have a good day. I'm going to have Cincinnati winning this one 35-28. Indiana puts up a good fight. Here's what I'm worried about, though, because if Cincinnati's going to go on and win this game, I'm going to back them for the rest of the year, and I'm going to hope they make the playoff because there needs to be uh, a group of five team in the playoff one day. And I hope they go on and beat Notre Dame. If they ha- Of course, I want Indiana to win this game. I'm going to be supporting Indiana. But if Cincinnati wins, I want them to make the playoff. But the problem is... You look at Indiana, they're going to go play Western Kentucky next week. They should win no problem. Hopefully, hopefully I'm not jinxing hope, that. Hope. I'm going to knock on some wood right now. I just knocked on wood for that. Thank you. After that, going and playing Penn State. If Michael Penix doesn't have it figured out this week or next week, there's no way he's going to figure it out against the tremendous Penn State defense. So they could be dropping. They could be a 2-3 and three team in week five. And this is a team that I predicted to go 11-1. and one. So you could be looking at 2-3 and three Indiana. I think they pick it up. I kind of want to alter my Indiana record prediction to go 8-4 and four with losses to Cincinnati, Penn State, and Ohio State. Um, but it, I think Indiana keeps this one close. Um, even though I don't think they're going to win, this will definitely be a close game, I think. Or I shouldn't say definitely, um, because you never know what you're going to get with this, this year's Indiana team. But in my eyes, it'll be a close game. I think it's decided by one score. I think Cincinnati, like I said, they win this one by seven. And I think that actually might hurt Cincinnati, because Indiana, obviously they're not a national brand for football. They sort of broke out on the national scene last year, but even then they played a short season and everyone was uh, down on the Big Ten saying, oh, you know, they didn't play a whole year, they're not legit. And then, of course, the loss in Ol- to Ole Miss and Outback Bowl didn't help them. But, um, you know, Indiana, they haven't established themselves, and they've been one of the worst Power Five teams in history. So for an Indiana team that could potentially be looking at, like, a Music City Bowl or a Pinstripe Bowl, for Cincinnati to be playing a close game with them, that could – because. If you're a group of five team, if you want to make the playoff, you have to go miles above and beyond. You can't be just good to make the playoff when you're playing in the American. So I actually kind of feel for Cincinnati here because I think they can get the win. But if it's a close win, that could really come back to bite them. But that's not to say this isn't a tough game for them. Oh, this absolutely. Is a, this is a road game against a good team. This should be. I actually think this should be their biggest challenge of the year because Notre Dame's going to be tough. But I, just judging from what we've seen so far. I think Indiana at their best, because Indiana has been pretty bad through two weeks, even with that Idaho win. Indiana, if they play their best football, I think is better than Notre Dame. Or at the very least, a sold-out Memorial Stadium in Bloomington is going to be a rougher environment for Cincinnati, especially when Indiana is a team that's never really had a crowd like this in a long time. Um, <laughs> even ever. Yeah, this this could be the loudest, most hostile Indiana crowd ever. So, um 
it'll be a challenge for Cincinnati, no doubt. And I still believe in the Indiana defense. They've been, str- I mean, they gave up a lot of points against Iowa, but a lot of that's not their fault. We've talked about this in the show several times before. Uh, the Indiana defense is still tough, so Cincinnati in for a real challenge here. But I still gotta have them winning this one by seven. It hurts to say. Yeah, but let's let's be clear though. One more thing, I did pull out the jersey for Reed. We we talked about. The, I'm gonna try it on right now. We talked about the curse, the T-shirt versus jersey curse. Reed says that T-shirts are cursed for him, but jerseys are not. So I pulled out the jersey. Well, that's a hypothesis. Let's hope it, that's, that's a, a hypothesis. hypothesis. We don't know the answer to this. We are, we're still testing the theory, and Reed's trying it on. We're seeing if it fits. Does the jersey fit, Reed? Uh, fits well enough. I can wear it to a game. Folks, he's going to wear it. We're going to test out the hypothesis tomorrow. Make sure your undershirt, though. you got to be careful. The undershirt, though. It can't be an Indiana undershirt. I feel like it could, though. Ooh, you're like, testing your luck. I feel like it's just... Well, see, if, if we're being scientists about this, we have to have several different variables at play. We have to test all possible scenarios. I've already gone to games where, I'm, where I've got the jersey and nothing else. Oh, I've Nashville SC wins all the time. You, I've been to games with you where you've switched shirts midway through. That's true. What was that? Yeah, the Big Ten Championship. I was, I was switching. Uh, I think I took off, what, I take off my jersey to have the Ohio State shirt on underneath. I'm a real... I guarantee you, I'm, I'm gonna. The jersey's gonna come off at one point, and then we're gonna assess how they play. I have a lot of weird <laughs> stadiums. My biggest stadium superstition is the. This this sounds so silly, but my biggest superstition is like it has to do with the amount of times I sit down and stand up. So if, if we're in a if we're in a, in a, in a close game and, it, and it's real tense, um, but my team's doing just all right, we're hanging on. If I stand up to go clap or whatever or let somebody go by, I gotta sit down, stand up again, then sit down. It's gotta be at an even number. It can't be imbalanced because when it's imbalanced, stuff goes, stuff starts to go wrong. And I know that this isn't insanity. It actually is insane. I have to admit it. It's pretty. It, it's not logical. But um, I started doing this when Ohio State was playing Michigan in 2016 in double overtime. I was at that game, and I was doing. Uh, I was I was getting up and sitting back down again. And we won that game in double overtime against all odds. So uh, the the sit down stand up superstition I think has some validity to it. So we're gonna it's gonna be a lot of we're a test, lot of we're testing some stuff. It's gonna be a lot of RJM voodoo at play in Memorial Stadium. RJM tomorrow. voodoo, yeah, that's that's that's, that's fun. Yeah, good, way good of, RJM visuals. It's RJM voodoo now. Good way of putting it. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to record all of this. We'll have to get some uh, a written record of, of everything that that goes on in this game. It's certainly gonna be interesting. I I'm definitely gonna have a video of me sitting up and or, or sitting down and standing back up uh, on the first and ten Instagram story. You'll see it. Certainly, yeah, definitely, definitely a thing. There's anyway, a thing. that's that's enough craziness for today. I've got it all out of my system now. All right, let's go through a little rundown of just some some uh, some worse games on, on the schedule, some less relevant ones. Minnesota, Colorado. Colorado looked pretty good against Texas A&M last week. Uh, Minnesota hasn't looked great this season. Sneaked one out against uh, Miami, Ohio. Lost to Ohio State. Um, I don't like Minnesota this year. Uh, I just don't think they're that good. I would like them if they had Ibrahim, Co- but without take- Ibrahim, they're just not the same team. I agree. Ibrahim being hurt changes them a lot. Uh, I'm taking Colorado in a close one. Let's say Colorado, uh, low score. I'm thinking low score. Like, I can tell you're trying not to say this because you, you get my my whiteboard is right in front of me. I can tell you're trying yes. not to copy my score. I'm gonna say 21 to 10. Okay, I'm going to go 17-10 Colorado. I don't trust the Minnesota defense. I think they score a little more than you do. Fair enough. Next game, Kent State, Iowa. Kent State was a team I was actually pretty high on coming into the year, but they have a tough schedule to start the season. Uh, good offense for Kent. Uh, certainly uh, one I thought could scare Iowa, but what we've seen from Iowa through two weeks makes me think maybe not. So uh, I'm going to take Iowa, uh, 35, Kent State, 7. Iowa 24, Kent State 10. Um, I think Iowa, they've done a really good job of establishing the type of 
Iowa doesn't let you boss them around in terms of tempo and the style of football you're going to play. It's going to be a grinded out, uh, slower kind of game. It's going to be small chunks of yardage, lots of field goals involved. Um, Iowa does a good job of establishing this, and though Kent State's got a solid offense, Iowa, they're just they're just a solid team. Um, I think this one's a little closer because than people are going to expect. Because Iowa, Kent State's, Kent State's they, not what bad. Ranked? What's Iowa ranked right now? They are number five. Were they number five in the country? Goodness gracious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, this one's going to be, this is another one we've talked about this several times. This is going to be one where people are going to look at ESPN and say, oh, the number five team in the country is in a closer game with Kent State than we would have thought. Keep your eyes on it. And then Iowa's just going to pull away with a little trouble. <laughs> I can see it. That, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Michigan, Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois, a team who beat your not so beloved Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Well, not so beloved. I like them, but but not beloved. Your beloved is a strong. It's word. a strong word. Yeah. So not quite beloved. That's that's a better term. Not quite. Not not so. You know, I actually think I'm gonna wear my Georgia Tech shirt to the game tomorrow because if I'm going with jersey, I gotta have dry fit. My IU shirt is cotton. It's gonna be hot outside. I think I'm gonna go dry fit Georgia Tech underneath the uh, Ooh, good Taiwan idea. Mullen jersey. Good idea. That's not Taiwan Mullen. That's a. Devon Matthews. Devon, no. Devon Matthews is hurt. He's not playing this game. Did, um, did uh, Mullen used to wear one? No. Who am I Fillier wore one. I know Fillier wore one. Who wore one on the defense? Devon Matthews. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I just, I'm just an idiot. But, no, you're good. Yeah. The, number, <laughs> the number one Indiana jersey is El numero uno. Yeah. Anyway, beside the point, um, what were we even talking about? What was it? Uh, we were talking I, about yeah, Northern NI, Illinois. NIU Michigan. Northern yeah. Illinois beat Georgia Tech in Bobby Dodd. But Northern Illinois is still a MAC team, and they're still playing Michigan. I just kind of think Michigan wins this game, and Michigan wins it, you know, pretty handily. I, I don't think it's going to be that close. I'm going to take Michigan, uh, let's say, 37 to 14. Weird score. 37. Goodness. I, I think they missed like an extra point or something. I got 38-21. I think Northern Illinois puts up some points. Not too many. Nothing crazy, but I think they do a decent job. Michigan's just too strong in the end, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michigan's just a better team. Um, Rutgers in Delaware. Uh, I think Rutgers is going to be undefeated. After this week, three weeks in, undefeated Rutgers. Yeah, fifty-five to three is my score here for Rutgers. Also, can we pause here real quick? I'm gonna say a lot to a little is my answer. We never did our first and ten trivia question for the week. Um, Oh, trivia question, a live trivia question. Yeah, so we're just gonna throw. We'll reveal the answer at the end. Um, So this week we were talking about the the rivalry renewed between Oklahoma and Nebraska. I want to know what was the location of the most recent Oklahoma Nebraska game? Where was that game played? I think I know the answer to this, but. Um, yeah, we're throwing in trivia right in the middle of the episode. Um, You'll hear the answer at the end. Anyway, certainly, like games, yeah. certainly a different format today for, for all of our listeners. A little less formal of an episode. A little, a little less, less formal structured. Of an episode. Yeah, we talked about Rucker Delaware. My, my prediction's a lot to a little. I don't need a number. Yeah. All right, Nerd Bowl, Northwestern Duke. All right, first, shove both of these teams in the locker. They both suck. Uh, steal their lunch money. Give them a swirly. <laughs> uh, these nerds are horrible at football this year. Um, neither of them are good. But Duke is much less good. I think Northwestern crushes them. I am going to say Northwestern 20, because they're not going to score a lot, because they're still not very good. Northwestern 20, Duke 3. Duke is horrible. Duke is one of the worst teams in Power 5 this year. Duke sucks, and I think this is probably Dave Cutcliffe's last year. Yeah, I feel like this one's going to be closer. I just don't really think that uh, Northwestern has the capability to blow anybody out. I'm going to go 24-20 Northwestern. Well, I, don't think it's not that I don't think Northwestern can blow a team out. I think Duke's going to get themselves blown out. Fair enough. Yeah, it's not it's not because Northwestern's great. It's because Duke sucks. Looking at our board here, how many more games do we have? We have two more games. I think these are we got three more. Three more games. Excuse me, I forgot we hadn't talked about Tulsa and Ohio State. All right, reads Ohio State section. Yeah, Tulsa's bad. Tulsa lost to a uh, an FCS team. Which who did they lose to again? 
I don't know if you remember. I, I uh, this, I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up. I right had this now, written down. I don't have my notes in front of me anymore. Um, I feel like Bear from uh, College Game Day finds all this uh, you know information. <laughs> Big board. <laughs> I love Bear. What a guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I got Tulsa right here. Yeah, they lost to UC Davis. UC Holy Davis. Criminy. Yeah. <laughs> Not exactly uh, a quality loss. Yeah, yeah I don't see a team that lost to UC Davis putting up a fight in Ohio Stadium. Ohio State's pissed this week, 52-10. to 10. I'm going to go 52-14. My biggest question is what's going to change in the defense. Hopefully this will be the game where Stroud starts to have starts to die a little bit more. Uh, this could be another 500-yard week for C.J. Stroud. And he could – I mean, if he if – he, even if his passing accuracy isn't great, if he starts, if he keeps putting up these numbers like he did against Oregon, he could be in the Heisman conversation, um, despite the issues that there are with his accuracy passing. But I think this week he could sort of turn around. My biggest question is how will the defense turn it around? Is Kerry Coombs still going to be calling plays for Ohio State? That's a big question. Uh, I think he shouldn't after that last week. Certainly not, no, but, in my opinion. But uh, what's going to change in the defense for Ohio State? Are they going to look stronger? Well, of course they're going to look stronger against Tulsa than they will against Oregon, but is it going to be a sustainable stronger? Can we see into the future that Ohio State's not going to be a team to mess with? i got to go Ohio State. I think I, I think I already said it. Yeah, 52-14. Zayvon Collins ain't walking through that door, Tulsa. And I'm really hoping this will be the week that Travion Henderson starts getting more carries. He needs to be Ohio State's mm-hmm. main back. Exactly. Agreed. Um, this is a week to make some tune-ups before you get into conference play. This could be another – I feel like this, this could be another uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba – uh, big week where he puts up a lot of numbers. Smith and Jigba, he's kind of doing what Olave did in Olave's freshman season, but a lot earlier on, being that slot receiver who's just consistent. He hits those crossing routes well. Um, he's just a hard guy to defend, and he's just consistent. Doesn't really go for deep balls or anything, but he's he's just hard to keep off the stat sheet. Yeah, oh yeah. Especially against Oregon. Great Definitely. game for him. He did, yeah. One of the very few bright spots for the team in that game, but two more games. Okay. Second to last game. Miami, the Hurricanes, the U, hosting Michigan State. Miami got blown out week one. Again. This is a tough schedule for Miami, by the way. Blown out week one, neutral site against Alabama. Week two, they did beat App State. That's a quality win against a good App State team. Week three, Michigan State. And Michigan State, I think, has overperformed a little bit this season. We saw what they did against Northwestern. Um, not a big week from Kenneth Walker last week, but it's because he didn't hopefully, have to. Yeah, hopefully they were saving him in for this my game. Mind, That's what I like to In believe. my mind, it felt like they were saving him for this one against Miami because if they go into Miami Gardens and they pull out a win on the road and Kenneth Walker shows out, I, I think they will. And I agree. Uh, I think they've got a great quarterback in Derek King. But I don't know who on that Miami defense is stopping Kenneth Walker. If he gets rolling like he did against Northwestern, because, oh, man, this guy's incredible. Um I like Kenneth Walker a lot. I think Kenneth Walker has a big game. Uh, I think it's close, though. 24-20, Michigan State is my prediction. I got to go 28-24. Similar score there. Uh, like you said, yeah. I don't really see what is going to stop Kenneth Walker in this game from putting up some ridiculous numbers. I think Michigan State could end up in the Citrus Bowl. Possibly. I, that's a bit of a stretch for me. Maybe I'll back? Because I think Ohio State's not going to the playoff uh, anymore. I don't think so. They're going to be in the Rose Bowl. Unless Iowa put, wins the conference or Penn State wins the conference. Possibly, yeah, that's true. But, uh, yeah, I, I would, I'm would. i going to predict, like, Ohio State, Rose Bowl, Penn State in, uh, say, the, you know, uh, is the, the Cotton Bowl's in the playoff this year, right? So it would be, what, like, Fiesta or Peach. Then maybe Wisconsin, Citrus, Iowa. Um, or actually, I would go Iowa, Citrus, Wisconsin, Outback. And then, you know, MSU kind of fills into that Las Vegas slash Music City kind of game, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I buy that. Um, 
yeah, it should be interesting. This would be a great win for Miami, though, going on the road and beating a solid – or a, I think it would be a good win for Miami and a good win for Michigan State. It should just be a good game of football. Excited for this one. Last game, whiteout is back. Penn State, Auburn, Bo Nix. Bo Nix's dad played against Auburn once upon a time. Shout out to our friend Seth Engel for finding that bit. He was a quarterback. Or he was a quarterback for Auburn against Penn State. Excuse me, I misconstrued my terms there. Anyway, now Bo Nix and his Auburn Tigers. Mo Picks, as I like to call them. They're going, <laughs> they're going into Happy Valley. And I think he's going to throw more picks than about anybody in the country would against this Penn State defense. And Penn State's got a great defense. I think Penn State handily beats Auburn. I don't think either of these teams are particularly good. 31-20, and the score is closer than the game. I'm going to disagree with you on that. I think if this game took place later in the year, Auburn might be able to come away with a win. But Oh, in the cold? That's true. Well, okay, if this game took place later in the year in a dome or something or in the south, um, or in a bowl game or something, I would have Auburn winning most likely. But I think after two weeks against some pretty cupcake opponents, Bo Nix in his first week against a real team, going up against uh, Ellis Brooks, Arnold Ebiketti, Brandon Smith, it's just too much for him. You saw what they did to Graham Mertz. Bo Nix, I think, is a slightly better quarterback than Graham Mertz. Um, and that's... I don't that know hurts I don't, to say. That really hurts to it say. Does. I know, Reed. It does. Um, <laughs> Nobody likes Graham Mertz more than Reed Murray. Let's be, let's be quite clear. It's probably because some people. His parents? Yeah. There's <laughs> probably some Wisconsin fans who like him more than me, but I love Graham Mertz. Um, <laughs> you saw what they did to him. They're, I feel like they're going to do the same thing to um, Knicks. Similar scoreline. I'm going to go 2017. I think it'll be somewhat reminiscent of that Wisconsin game. And Penn State, I had them losing. I can't remember what I had them doing um, on, my, on my big predictions, but I think I, I know I had them beating Wisconsin, I think losing to Auburn. Um, and they're kind of... Um, surprising me a little bit here. I, I mean, I predicted them to beat Wisconsin, but even them winning that game was a little bit of a surprise to me that they actually went out and did it. So Penn State, I said they were going to have a bounce back year, and they're bouncing back stronger than I was initially anticipating. Yeah, they're in the top ten earlier than I thought they would be. Um, I didn't think they'd be in the top ten at all. But, yeah, this would be an that's impressive what, That's win. what beating Wisconsin will do for you. Yeah, no, that was a good win, and uh, it's been an impressive start to the season for Penn State, and I, I think it continues this week. For sure, yeah. Um, like we said, just – I think the defense just – I don't think Sean Clifford does tremendously for Penn State. I don't really think he, he needs to, though. I think they can get it onto the ground. It's really going to be a, a ground and defensive game. Maybe not the most exciting style of football I for think, an ABC I, I think Penn State, primetime game. I think Penn State what? takes a, either a kick. I think they take a, an interception and or a kick to the house. I could totally see that happening, yeah. This is actually – I think it'll be pretty similar to that Georgia Clemson game, which is on um, – ABC's uh, Saturday Night Football Week One, kind of a defensive showdown. But I, I kind of think both teams could get pick sixes here. I don't, I don't like either of these quarterbacks a whole lot. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I, I like Bo Nix, but again, against Penn State, especially after those two cupcakey kind of opponents, mm-hmm. Week Two or Week One and Week Two, don't have faith in him for this week. Yeah, uh, I agree. So if we're ready, that uh, first time trivia question answer is trivia sitting question. on my whiteboard. Let's wrap this up. Read. Where was the last place that Nebraska played Oklahoma? What city? I know a lot of people are going to say either Norman or Lincoln. You think it's a coin flip. You would be incorrect. Reed, where was this game played? It was in Arlington, Texas. Arlington, Texas. Stadium. It was the Big 12 championship. Back when these teams were in the Big 12. 23-20 Oklahoma win over Nebraska. That was an exciting game. One of the uh, unfortunate – actually, we still we have the Big 12 championship for now. Uh, it was that, that game was gone for a while. This was one of the – maybe it was the last Big 12 championship before it came back. I'm not quite sure about that. I'm not a Big 12 expert here. But uh, – First and first 12? 
Yeah, this ain't, this ain't first and twelve. Yeah, this ain't it's second and twelve. Um, it's not. It's, it's a second rate. It'd be, pretty, it'd be pretty hard to have a uh, first and twelve. You'd have to get some weird penalties for that. If you were, but, uh, <laughs> this were the second. If this were the second and twelve, we would be going through an identity crisis right now. But uh, yeah, so um, yeah, not the first and twelve. But I, this was back when Indomitian Sue was playing for Nebraska. Um, Bo Pelini ain't walking through that door. Um, 23-20 Oklahoma in AT&T Stadium. Brilliant stadium. I went there. God, was that that's about a, uh, a little over a year and a half ago. Wow. That was that, uh, was that was actually the same day as the Indiana-Tennessee Gator Bowl. Kill me. <laughs> I had on my Indiana. I was in AT&T Stadium with my Indiana Hoosiers shirt on. I was supporting the team. <laughs> Later that day, flew back to Nashville. I was telling you this when we were having dinner today. I watched that bowl game in an airport Chili's. And then I finished the game watching it on my phone, walking onto the airplane, and it was a pretty sad ending to it. No kidding. <laughs> and, I, I'm, and I'm not – I don't consider myself an Indiana fan, but that one hurt, especially as someone who's an anti-Vols guy. That one really yeah, You're hurt. calling me, man. You're, tell, you're, you're preaching to the choir right here. That'll do it for today's podcast. Thank you all for listening live. Thank you to everybody who joined this podcast today. We really appreciate it. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, we'd love to do this again. Maybe we'll start broadcasting these things live. Uh, but you'll be able to listen to this on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts afterwards. This will be up tonight. Listen to it before your games tomorrow if you haven't gotten the chance. Or you Play it at your tailgates. It. Play it at your tailgates. Bump Boost this, it. Bump this in your parking lots across America, across the Big Ten. Why not? I want to hear people tailgating at uh, Miami Gardens <laughs> listening to the first and ten at their tailgate. I'm going to hear a lot of first and ten in the Indiana parking lots tomorrow at 7 in the morning when tailgates open up. I agree. How bizarre is this? Is that normal for 7 a.m. That is tailgates? not normal. We will be out there. Well, you want to get out there at 7 a.m.? No. I, <laughs> I am not a morning person. Let's I get out there can't. about 8. Let's, let's say 8.30. <laughs> You're pushing it here. I'll do my best. <laughs> That'll do it for today's show. Thank you all for listening, and have a good day. We'll see you next time. Bye.